Is it morning? Yeah, it's still morning. All right, good. <clears throat> well, man, we came out of David Jonas weekend last weekend, and how many were able to be there for part of that? Was that amazing or what? My goodness. And so I really wanted to get him $7,000 for the offering, and we did not get him seven. We actually got him $9,000. So, so yeah, so thank you for being generous. It's so good. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it or re-listen to it, the, the Saturday morning session from last week and Sunday night, I really feel are kind of like the six-month marching orders for Zion. And so I just encourage you, uh, boy, listen and re-listen, take notes and study the notes. It was, it was remarkable. It really was a shift. And so I encourage you to do that. Well, today I'm going to start a new series on the book of Ephesians. I don't know. I mean, anyone who reads the Bible, I think Ephesians has got to be like one of your favorite books. It's just, it's just absolutely remarkable. So what I'm going to do today is going to be kind of like a, um, like a roller coaster, like click, 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 click going up there. And because once you get uh, like into verse 3, it's kind of like an avalanche of blessings. So Paul, it's the longest run-on sentence in scriptures. It's 14 verses. It's one sentence. It's not something that's to be dissected theologically. It's, it's a lover gushing, and he just can't get the words out fast enough. And so we're going to be kind of going right up and just getting ready to go over the hill. So today is going to be a little bit of an introduction, get us ready for it, and uh, so we want to be able to carry it. So you guys ready? All right. Well, I'm going to be, um, we're going to be studying it from the Passion Translation. So, yes. so I encourage you guys, get a, get a copy of it and uh, read it and reread it. It is difficult to memorize because it's about twice as long as like the normal stuff because he gives you the, the meaning rather than just the wording. And so, it, But it is rich, rich, so we're going to look at it in the Passion Translation today. And I'm thankful for Brian Simmons. He's the translator for his teachings, and so I pulled definitely a lot on him. So I plan on going verse by verse through it. We're definitely going to take our time for the first three chapters. So we may be in Ephesians for the rest of the year. You guys good with that? So one of my personal heroes is Andrew Walmack, one of my favorite teachers. And when there was a time when Mary and I got to um, be in a smaller environment and ask him some questions. And the question I asked him was, like, what does your Bible study look like these days? And he kind of laughed. And he said that he had um, meditated on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, for an entire year. That was it. So we're going to cover more than five verses in a year, but maybe uh, there, there's just some wealth. I mean, here's I think, is uh, in the top five greatest teachers I've ever come across. And uh, he spent an entire year on five verses. And so we are going to, we're going to take our time and just plumb the riches. So here we go. Um, how many of you have ever heard of Hetty Green? Hetty Green. So we're going to put her picture up there. She's just a, a lovely lady. There she is. And so um, she is known as being one of the uh, most miserly, cheapest people in the entire history of the world. And so she lived in kind of the late 1800s. Um, when she, she finally passed in 1916, she lived on the West Coast. And she was known as uh, one of the most penny-pinching, miserly women to ever live in this nation. When she passed away, her wealth was between $100 million and $200 million in 1916, which would be today $2.2 billion to $4.4 billion. Okay, so definitely the, uh, the wealthiest woman at the time. And um, her stinginess was legendary. She was known as the Witch of Wall Street. All right, that's, I mean, how'd you like to have that like on your gravestone? Like the Witch of Wall Street here. Um, she was so money conscious, she refused to heat up her oatmeal in the morning. She ate oatmeal every day. She refused to heat up her oatmeal because of the money it cost to heat up the water. So she ate cold oatmeal every single day. She wore one black dress and one pair of underwear every single day until they completely wore out. I guess I like disintegrated off her body, and then she decided it was time for a new one. When she would get her clothes washed, she would instruct them to only wash the dirty parts of the clothes so she could save money on soap. When her son broke his leg as a child, she um, d- delayed because she was searching for a free clinic 
And uh, so she didn't want to have to pay for it. And during the delay, the leg became infected and uh, months later actually had to get amputated as a result of this thing. Okay? Gang, this is not the way to steward resources. This, if you thought, yeah, you thought, this lady is doing great. We need to be cheap. No, 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 no. Wrong message. Okay? Um, cheap is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. And so I believe there's so many Christians, we don't realize we have this wealth in Christ that is beyond measure. I mean, he calls it the limitless riches of Christ, the measureless riches of Christ. And I feel like we're living way below our privileges. Way below, uh, Ephesians is the bank account of the believer. Okay? And so we're going to spend some time looking at what's in your bank account because if you don't know what's there, you might live like a miser. You might live like, oh my goodness, there's not enough. Ephesians is like, we're going to see that there are spiritual checks that are written to us, and when they're written to us, the account amount never goes down. So that means that God has, an, if God blesses you, there's plenty left over for me. I don't have to see someone else getting blessed and go, oh my goodness, they're getting blessed. There's not enough for me. That's an orphan mentality. Okay, Ephesians has a wealth mentality here. And so you could um, you can kind of define, def, divide Ephesians into two parts. Chapters 1 through 3 is our position in Christ. This is what is now true of us because of Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 is like, this is what it looks like to walk it out. So to put some language like we did this morning, um, chapters 1 through 3, you were reborn like this. Chapters 4 through 6 is your coming out party. This is what it looks like as a result. Because of, because of how Jesus has made you, chapters 1 through 3, you get to now walk like this. I, one of my favorites is the, the full armor of God, where he says, you're dressed like God. You understand? Like, this is God's armor. This is, these are the things that he wears himself. Throughout the Old Testament, he's pictured as a warrior. And now you're made in his image, in his likeness. You are dressed like God. You see what I'm saying? But if you, don't, if you go out and try to fight spiritual warfare without understanding the riches that are available to you, you're going to get depressed quickly. So many people, um, they, so here's Paul's pattern, is he tells them who they are, tells them the riches, and he says, as a result of that, you can now live like this. So many preachers start with, you need to live like this. And if you begin to try to live out those things without understanding your resources and soaking them and, and just enjoying those things, you're going to be in dead religion. You're going to be trying really hard. Here's the thing, none of the commandments of the New Testament are you supposed to try to do. There's nowhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, where you're supposed to, in your own willpower and your own strength, now try and obey those things. That's the old man. That's the old way of doing it. Now you have been united to Christ and you're doing everything. You never do anything apart from him. You're doing things in his strength. So those commandments are telling you, this is what you can now do because of Jesus. I use this illustration all the time, and I pray that someday they will make this TV show into a movie. But um, how many of you remember uh, The Greatest American Hero? Thank you, all you people over 40. Thank you for raising your hand. The Greatest American Hero was phenomenal. It was about this high school teacher named Ralph Hinckley. And uh, he was a high school teacher. His wife was a, um, was a lawyer. And he had this friend named Bill Maxwell who was uh, part of the FBI. And so what happened is this ordinary high school teacher, these aliens came down to him and gave him a super suit. And uh, when he put on this super suit, it gave him the ability to do things that normal men couldn't do. And it gave him an instruction booklet with it. And so the problem was um, he was all excited about this thing. And so one of the first things he, he looked up was how to shrink down his subatomic size. And so you see him shrink down and everything's looking big. And, and so then he read how to do it. And he puts the book down and he raises back up. And so now the book is still 
subatomic, subatomic size. And so a lot of the show is him being goofy. He doesn't know how to work his powers, okay? Um, boy, what a picture of the believer. We've got this super suit. <laughs> We've got Jesus has come and live on the inside of us. And so many of us, we, we're just we're bumbling our way through. We're, we're trying really hard to live out these commandments when it's like, no, no, no. You need to put on the super suit. You need to recognize that you are now living from power from another realm. Gang, I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this stuff, it's going to wreck your depression. Like the thing, you're like, well, it doesn't feel true. Gang, you can't have faith for what you don't know. Okay? And so I'm telling you, look at what's available, and we're going to show you how to enjoy it. That's, that's most of the book of Ephesians. And as you begin to feast on it, you will change more by accident than you ever did on purpose, apart from it. All right, so let's look at verse 1. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me just tell you, let me just, you need to understand the ways of heaven, okay? So the book of Ephesians is going to show us, show us the ways of heaven over and over again. And here's how God does it. He blesses you before you deserve it, and then you are now able to function in the thing he wanted you to function in. It's always grace before action. You deserve a lecture, and you get a kiss. And when you get the kiss, that kiss equips you to walk out the very thing that you're called to do. Without the kiss... No destiny. Here's the ways of God. You deserve a lecture and you get a kiss. That's, that's just good. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And so, so many times I hear, oh, you need to preach repentance. You need to preach on sin. You need to do this and that. There, there's an absolute place for it. But if you start there, apart from the kiss, you're locked in legalism forever. Let's look at verse 1. Passion Translation, verse 1. It's the slide right after the lady in the black. All right, here we go. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. Do you remember what Paul's name was before he encountered uh, Christ? Let's try that again. Uh, you're going to say Saul is going to try to do the pop, pop noise, okay? So his name uh, before, um, so he went from Saul to Paul. He went from um, someone who was persecuting Christians to someone who was a Christian who became persecuted. It's interesting how when the kiss of God so transforms you, it transforms a terrorist into an apostle. Saul, here's what the name Saul means. It's, it's, so Saul and Paul, it's, it's a little bit of play on words. The word Saul means, no doubt he was named after King Saul in the Old Testament. He was a Jew. Um, Saul means to be sought after, asked for, important, top dog. It means you're of this elevated status. You're this celebrity status, okay? You ready for what Paul means? Little, insignificant, pipsqueak. The journey from Saul to Paul is what every believer is on. From where you are wise in your own eyes and you see how amazing you are to where I begin to see every person as more important than myself. Where I become so impressed with Jesus that now I am free to not think about myself because he's going to take care of me and I'm free to bless other people. I'm going to start preaching here if we're not careful here. Brian Simmons says this, God has a plan to make you more humble than you want to be. I don't hear many amens on that one. Yes, amen. Make me more. No, God, help us. There's nothing like the love of God to people who don't deserve it to humble you. When you begin to see what this amazing God has done for you, your response isn't pride. It's wow. 
That's why I, I want to get to know this Jesus. I want more of those kisses. God has a way of drawing us into his heart first, and then we realize how generous dad has been. Now we recognize I can't possibly contain this. I, I've got to give this away. How can I live in darkness? How can I flirt with sin? That doesn't even make sense anymore when I've been freed from him. The woman who was caught in adultery and uh, Jesus freed her, she wasn't like, oh, sweet, I can go hop in bed with some more lovers now. But now when you experience that grace, it's like, I, I don't want that anymore. I want more of him. There's something irresistible about a prodigal father who loves an apostle and the terrorist with the same love. You got to understand, he didn't love Paul more once he became the Apostle Paul. He loved him just as much as when he was a terrorist. And it's that love that turns terrorists into apostles. How many sitting in Al-Qaeda have an apostolic calling just waiting for the love of God, waiting for someone like you and me to go and show them the love of God? I mean, think about the boldness of these guys. I mean, I think there's an apostolic calling on some of those guys. His love turns terrorists into apostles, and one of them wrote the letter of Ephesians. Did I mention that Paul was in prison when he wrote this? I mean, like, what would you be thinking about in prison? Like, how can I bless a whole region of people with revelation? I'd be thinking, like, I hope I don't get beat up, you know. I hope to get better food, you know. And No, here's the Apostle Paul. So he wrote four letters in prison, um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, he probably wrote 14 letters altogether, if you include the book of Hebrews. I do. And so, um, so here's Paul. He's writing these letters, and... Um, is the man who used to put Christians in prison and to death for their faith, and now he's in prison and will eventually die for his faith. It's just interesting. So um, again, first three chapters are our riches in Christ. The, uh, the chapters four through six are spending our inheritance. Okay, so we're going to look at all of it here. Um, and, and when we're done with here, so I want you to realize you can heat up your water for oatmeal, baby. You don't have to eat cold oatmeal. Later on in her life, um, she refused to rent an office. She did a lot of business, the financial strength, this uh, this lady we looked at. Um, And she would put her um, oatmeal on top of the heater. So it was already doing the work, and so she would heat it up. I I just think that's just fascinating. Listen, gang, you don't live in a spiritual slum. You're not living in the ghetto of the glory. God has granted you access to the riches and treasure chest of eternity. Oh, yeah, what am I calling this whole series? The treasure chest of the Bible. Now I just lost my place. All the wisdom God has, he now makes available to you. All the authority that he has in standing before the powers of hell. I know you're like, I don't feel it. Listen, gang, we need the Holy Spirit to come and go. We're going to pray that prayer at the end. Because the book of Ephesians comes with with its own key. It's a prayer for revelation. But because we can hear these things, but until the Holy Spirit breathes on them, they become real. Then we can't begin to contend for them and walk in them. But you at least got to know they're available, okay? Everything that is true of Jesus is now true of you, okay? I want you to think of how terrified Jesus isn't in front of the powers of hell. How worried he is about your next bill, okay? That is now true of you when you get this perspective, Verse 2, may God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Uh, The total well-being is the word shalom there. It's the word peace. Grace always comes before peace. It's interesting in 1 Peter, uh, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, how on earth do you get it multiplied? Not just added to your life. How do you get grace and peace multiplied? It says through the knowledge of God. 
Okay? The way that you get grace and peace multiplied into your life, life, it's directly proportional to how many of those kisses you're able to receive. How much of your life you're opening up to him so he can unfold his life into you. As you do that, there is, so here's grace. Grace is God's empowering and presence in your life to let you do the impossible. All those, com- see, here's the thing. We're like, oh, raising the dead. Whew, that's impossible. Here's the deal, gang. The whole Christian life's impossible. When you begin to think any of it is possible, you are deceived already. and You're going to try to do it in your own strength, and that's called dead works religion, and you're going to be depressed. And you go, ah, this thing doesn't work. I tried, I tried, I tried. You just told me the problem. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ expressing his life through me. And here Ephesians is giving us a treasure chest of what is now available to us so that we can begin to spend the inheritance. Grace and peace. It's interesting. The Greeks, when they would greet each other, they would say grace to you. They would be the Gentiles. When the Hebrews, the Jews would greet each other, they would say shalom. They would say peace. And so here Paul in his letter, he's going to be talking about how God is making one new man out of the Jews and the Gentiles. And so he takes the uh, Gentile greeting of grace and he takes the Jewish Gentile, the Jewish greeting of peace and puts them together right at the beginning. So he's already beginning to hint that there's something mysterious that's going on that the angels weren't even aware of that I'm now unveiling to you. Verse three. We're only in, that was only two verses, gang. We're only going to do three today. And so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of what might happen if we try for four verses. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't know if we have the paramedics standing by. And so it's going to be Remember, once we begin to crest over three here, it's, it's an absolute avalanche. It's, it's 14 verses of run-on emotion. And so we're going to look at that avalanche of blessings probably over a couple weeks here. But let's get into it. Verse three. I'm going to read it from the New International Version, and then I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. New International Version, uh, Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm going to read that again because I think sometimes we read these things and it's like, oh, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly Christ. What's verse 4 say? Gang, you could camp on this one. I think we'll be camping on it for all of eternity. I mean, the, the, the things that will be available. Notice it's past tense. It doesn't say that you will be blessed one day. One day when you're able to win a city of the Lord and glow in the dark and levitate, then you will receive these blessings. He says, it's already happened. The moment you said, thank you, Jesus, come into my life, your account got completely filled. You got enfolded into him, he got enfolded into you, were seated in Christ in heavenly places, you received this inheritance, all all these things that are about to happen, it happened instantaneously and irreversibly. It's It's not diminishing, it's only growing as you realize more of what you have. Listen to it in the Passion Translate. Oh, let me just read it again, the NIV, because I want you to to see the past tense. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Passion Translation. Everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a lovely gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Let me just look at that phrase, everything heaven contains. Heaven cannot bless you anymore. You already possess it all. It's as though the heavenly realm has completely emptied itself upon your life. 
The source of those blessings is not how good and not how wonderful you are. It's not because he likes you. It's because he's a father. And this father delights in giving good gifts. He delights to kiss you before you deserve it. He desires to bless you before you've earned it because those are his ways. We find out in verse 11 that you've already received your inheritance. You don't have to wait until dad dies to get your inheritance. Jesus already died and he passed it all along to you. It says the father has blessed us. Are you guys sitting down? I just want to make sure you guys are for this. The word blessed there is the word eulogized. He has spoken a eulogy over you. He has spoken a blessing over your life. It says, before you were ever born, it says that a couple of verses later, before you were ever born, he spoke a blessing over your life. He predestined, he predetermined that when they come to me, this is the kind of life they're going to have. Everything that I have will belong to them instantaneously, and for all of eternity, they will be unfolding these treasures more and more. They can have as much as they want now. God is not up there with a spigot determining what level of blessing is going on. Um, the lo- the, what determines the spigot is our knowledge of him and believing what he said. No limits. He has, <laughs> he has pre-programmed your DNA to be able to carry the glory of God. Everything about you has been ordained of God and he has eulogized you before you came into the world and spoke this blessing over you. And this blessing is only getting stronger, it's not fading. You carry like Mary the Christ in your belly and you will give birth to the glory of God. You are a walking, talking Ark of the Covenant with two legs, two arms, and a head. You are a dispenser of the divine. You've been made one with the three in one. You are so full of him that you will strategically leak him all over because you simply can't contain the blessings that are inside of you. And it won't be too long before you begin to look at your world and to be look at yourself and look at others in a completely different way because the glory of God on the inside begins to shine through. Do you see that phrase? He said he sees us wrapped into Christ. The phrase in Christ or in him or in whom is used 35 times in the book of Ephesians. How does it feel to be wrapped up into Jesus? It says, uh, Colossians says, your life, your true life is hidden with Christ in God. You're wrapped up into Christ. Christ is wrapped up into God. Guess what that makes you? I don't know, like a tortilla. I don't know, a glory tortilla. A glortilla. I don't know even know here. You've been enfolded into him like an ingredient into cookie dough. You are wrapped into Christ. Your life is entwined with him like a piece of rope being woven together that cannot be broken. What he is, you are. What he has, you have. You have a reborn identity. And yes, I meant, I meant the hint of the Jason Bourne movies in that. You are born again, born by the wind of the Spirit so that you are now drawing strength from a completely different world. Every time God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. Listen to me and listen to me well. Don't ever look at yourself apart from Christ because God never does. Don't ever look at yourself apart from Christ because God never does. Well, what about when I blow it? What about when I'm doing awesome? You're in Christ. The prophet Isaiah had a vision of of God's robe filling the temple. You and I are that temple. And his robe of glory keeps filling us and filling us and filling us. Get this picture. You are lost in the folds of his glory garment. You are enfolded into Christ. 
Our destiny is not to just have a really good retirement. Our destiny is to be like Christ, to be a lookalike. On judgment day, he's going to have a hard time telling you from Jesus because you're going to look so much alike. He's creating a body who's in proportion to its head. He's creating a, a bride for his son who is equally yoked to him. We've been blended into him as he has been blended into us. We can say, I am my beloved's and he is mine. I hope some of your depression, you're starting to question whether or not you want to hold on to this thing. I'm just barely making it. Eat the warm oatmeal. <laughs> Heat it up, baby. Because you are in Christ, he's going to treat you just like he treats his son. And by the way, he put his son on a cross, and he'll do the same to you. His son learned obedience through suffering. Same way you're going to learn it. Amen, Jim. That's, could you repeat that part again? Go back to the oatmeal thing, yeah. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. That doesn't mean cancer. That doesn't mean sickness. It means uh, it's the consequence of being a bright light in a dark world. They don't like it. Everything you love about Jesus is who he's making you into be. That's your destiny. God is making you a bride worthy of his son because it's not good for the son of man to be alone. He has found a perfect match. Do you understand that Jesus went on jharmony.com and your profile came up. And then he messaged you by becoming the word of God, the logos, and coming to you and saying, here's my profile. When you understand what you've been given, you begin to live in a different way. You are no longer allowed to look at yourself apart from Christ because God never looks at you apart from Christ. When you're walking into the situation, it's not, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this situation? They're making me feel bad. They're saying bad things about me. That's an old man, chapter four. He's like, uh, take off those dirty clothes. You need to stop living that way because there's a new reality. I'm enfolded into him. He's enfolded into me. You are a living, walking, breathing Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had a judgment seat and now we've got the Father's lap. We're still in verse three here, gang. <laughs> I heard that, Mama Dora. When you understand what you've been given, you, then, you, then and only then can you live in a different way. So many people, they're trying so hard. Gang, that's not the way it works. If you look at how we wrote the letter to the Philippians, I mean, the Corinthians. Corinthians, it was messed up. I mean, it's a messed up church. I mean, they got charismania stuff going. You got a guy sleeping with a stepmom. You got just a bunch of mess going on. How does Paul start off this letter? Do you remember this? Does he say, turn or burn, shake or bake, cry or fry? Is that how he starts it off? Here's how he starts it off. You don't lack any good thing in Christ. You've received every spiritual gift. God has blessed you and he has filled you and he has anointed you and I greet you in the love of God. Grace and peace. Kisses from a good God. Now listen, you guys need to stop doing this. You need to stop these divisions. It's getting ridiculous. You need to do this and this and this. When I come, I'd really like to come in love but I can come with a whip if I need to. Okay, he didn't, I'm not saying he doesn't deal with some stuff 
But you don't start with the dealing with the stuff. You start with who you are and what's been made available. And now because of this, you don't have to live in this way, so let's deal with it. Gang, you forgot who you are. We call that the love sandwich. It's like, you're amazing, you're amazing. Hey, stop this thing. Oh, you're awesome, we love you. You're like, I like the bread, but that meat was a little rough in that sandwich. I'm telling you the ways of God. The ways of God is he blesses you before you deserve it. He raises you and seats you in heavenly places before you ever knew the way there. He says he gives you the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring before you ever probably could spell Holy Spirit. I mean, he's just amazing. Here's a picture of the New Testament uh, with the engagement ring. We'll look at this in a couple weeks. Um, You're the fiance of Jesus. That'll make you live differently. The moment you came to know Christ, you had no concept of these things that happened to you, and they all became true and are not diminishing, they're only growing. And Ephesians, phrase after phrase, tells us all the things that we possess in Christ. Not someday, not when you become amazing, not when you're walking at a level 10 out of your destiny, now. Actually, right now, if you are a believer, you have it all. You have access to all the riches and treasures of eternity. You will never be wealthier now than you will be 10 million years from now in heaven. You have it all now in Christ. You don't ever have to face a situation without these treasures. I know you're thinking, guys, none of us are living this out fully, but wouldn't you like to try? (laughs) This is ridiculous. This is who he's making you and I to be. Your financial statement is so awesome in the kingdom of God. You are so wealthy. Angels now hang out with you just to learn. The church is the university of angels and every believer is a professor. That's what it says. It's the angels. It says they're eagerly looking at the people who are at the son of God. They don't understand grace. They've, they were never shown grace. Look at the devil and his angels. This fallen angel, they weren't shown grace. They're looking and they're fascinated into the people who are inheriting salvation and they're learning from us what it's like. So why would you wait? I'm saying, gang, let's dive into this treasure chest of eternity and take what's yours. Again, we are just getting ready to go over the thing and so we'll continue this in another couple weeks. You guys good? All right, so let's, uh, let's read a few. I'm gonna pray this prayer as, and, uh, as a prayer of closing. Well, that was a fast sermon. Read Ephesians and then reread it. And if you really love God, memorize it. And I'm just saying you don't have to memorize it. But I'm telling you, there's something about uh, memorizing longer sections of scripture rather than just verses. And it's like you can have devotions anytime you want. You can just pull those things out and just begin to feed on them. And, and uh, the two of the passages that guarantee success in life are Psalm 1 and Joshua 1. They both say the same thing is... I'm meditating day and night. I'm keeping the thoughts of God before me. And so one of the best ways that I know of to do that is to memorize scripture or just carry around note cards if, if, that, if that helps you. Okay, I'm gonna pray this prayer that Paul prayed and it's the key to unlocking these things. So if you guys wanna just close your eyes, I'm just gonna kind of read it a phrase at a time and it's just so good. You guys ready? Here's verse 17. I pray continually that the Father of glory, I love how he puts the Trinity in this thing, the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
would unveil in you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation through the fullness of being one with Christ. I pray that the light of God will brighten the eyes of your innermost being, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of our great hope of glory. We know that is the reason he called you to himself. And I pray that you will explore and experience for yourselves all the riches of this wealth that has been freely given to all his holy ones, for you are his true inheritance. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there yet. Jesus, we are richer than we thought. We're not a big, we don't do a whole lot of like repeat after me things, you know. Turn to your neighbor and say this, you know. And uh, I, I, a lot of churches do that. It's a great way to get to know your neighbor, I guess. I don't know. Um, just say this after me. I'm richer than I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, God. We are richer than we think. So change the way we think. Change the way we think. Whatever those ladies in the front row have, just let it spread, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, just, it starts with one. Thank you, Lord. Just bless us. God, we're richer than we think, so change the way we think. We love you, Lord. But we pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, come to us and teach us. Remove the veil. Pull back the curtain. God, we, we can't hunt these things down with our intellect, but Lord, we can keep them before us. Here's a prayer that I've been praying. God, I'm like a little child. I don't know anything. I need you to come and teach me. And I believe that invites the spirit of revelation. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, Lord, we humble ourselves and we say, God, when it comes to these things, we may have known them in our head, we may have read them, but we're like little children. Please come and teach us. We love you, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone who's struggling with discouragement or depression, that, Lord, these truths would begin to set them free. God, we've got way more than we think. Reveal to us what we have so we know how to live. I bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen.